The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate oneness with Ren Koi, who is the author of All is One, the science and spirituality of consciousness. So up my alley. Hello, Ren, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Christy. Thanks for having me. And of course, you're in the UK, as we can tell by your accent. I am. Lovely. I'm so pleased to um, know about your work. Science and spirituality of consciousness. My gosh. Um, your materials say it's a conclusive definition of consciousness that might satisfy both the scientifically oriented and spiritually oriented reader. That is so interesting. Right up my alley. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Um, I guess... I don't know where to start, but maybe why you chose to write this book. So I wrote the book as a result, a direct result of my daughter's birth. So when my daughter Alice was born um, in February of 2020, um, I was I found myself within a couple of weeks of her being born in a position where I was um, at home all the time because of lockdown, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I was on uh, paternity leave for a couple of weeks and then I was literally straight into lockdown and I never actually went back to work, um, as in physically in the the office, for about 18 months. So during that time period, um, I'd already previously written four books um, and self-published those books. And... I also used to um, host a podcast myself called Life in Recovery. And Life in Recovery podcast, I think I'd done 100 episodes, 101 episodes, and and it had come to kind of like a natural conclusion for me where I felt as though I'd kind of said everything that I wanted to say, and I really felt as though I needed a 
a rest and, and a break from it and and maybe go back to it in the future but i was kind of like winding down and then obviously the pandemic hit and i'd also been working with a life coach um a guy called dennis berry who's now a good friend of mine and during my life coaching sessions he kind of almost challenged me in a way to get this to get this book written uh, within X amount of months and also to get it published because I'd never had a book published before. So I, I previously self-published all my books and I did really want to get a book published. It was kind of like on my bucket list really. So I wrote the book within, I think it was about six months and then um, he challenged me to contact 10 publishers a day for the next two weeks. Wow. And uh, by the third day, old books um had, had, had snapped it up so hence um why i'm talking to you today right well good for you had you been through many publishers before you found old books so yeah i mean i contacted i think i must have contacted about 20 or 25 publishers by the time that um it's john hunt publishing is the is the over is the kind of uh, umbrella okay. um and they kind of got back to me and said that they were interested and i just couldn't believe it really i was i was kind of you know quite shocked that it had happened so quickly but it was just i if i hadn't have been working with dennis i don't think i'd have gone at it in in such a way you know as to kind of like really really focus on right this is what i'm going to do i'm i'm going to try and get it published so yeah so it was it was a shock but you know absolutely um delighted that, that they uh, chose to publish the book and and it was a strange time as well because obviously as i said my, my daughter had been born and i was like really really focused on being a dad um but at the same time becoming a father had kind of like uh, the, the previous books that I'd written were all kind of leading up to this book. It was, they, they were questioning, they were very much to do with kind of like addiction and recovery and, um, and spirituality and, and also psychedelics because the psychedelics is something that I got into a few years ago. Um, and because of all my experiences, I'm in recovery myself uh, for, for over 11 years because of all those experiences, it came to this place where, kind of I really wanted to, to to discuss the you know consciousness itself like what is consciousness I could see that this child was obviously clearly conscious and was clearly like as the kind of great mystics say she was like enlightened really because she's kind of she's not living in the future or past she's present you know it, it's it, it was it was it was kind of like creating all these questions in my mind so I was like okay Anytime I've got spare now, I'm just going to research it, just write whatever comes to me, and we'll see if it kind of formulates in a book, and, and, and it did. Oh, my gosh, right, right. Um, so 11 years in recovery, first of all, good for you. That is fantastic, quite an accomplishment. And also had a podcast about recovery. Um, I think that's very important, too. Is that still going on, the recovery podcast? No, I actually, like I said, I, I brought the, uh, the podcast to a kind of conclusion uh, in uh, 2020 um, and I haven't started it back up again. So it might be something that I'll do again in the future, but at the moment I'm kind of too busy being a dad and, you know, I'm working and uh, looking after the family. Really. Right, right. And so what were you doing before you became a dad, before you took this time off? So I, um, when I got um, sober, which was in 2000. 
10 officially when I kind of went into Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time. Um, I changed careers. So I used to be, well, I was kind of, I was a, I was a DJ, kind of semi-professional DJ for many years um, in my early 20s. And then as that career kind of petered out, I became a, um, a salesperson. I was kind of like a, what we call a business development manager. And then uh, when I got sober, I decided that I wanted to do something to help people. So I completely changed course and uh, trained to be um, a counselor, like a drug and alcohol counselor. And um, I worked in prisons for about four or five years as a, as a counselor. And then I moved from, uh, from that into management. So I've kind of been managing a team of counselors for the last few years. So I was doing that pre-pandemic. Um, my team, uh, based in Birmingham in, in uh, the UK, um, help the homeless basically. So we help the homeless to uh, to get into treatment. So that's kind of what I do um, at the moment. And running parallel to that, I was uh, I was writing obviously, and uh, had this kind of dream of of, uh, of being published. My gosh, that is wonderful. So that's that's the story of addiction. Um, but writing a book about consciousness, I mean, that doesn't come out of nowhere. No. What knowledge or interest did you have in the realm of consciousness? So I think that the the initial spark for that um, kind of line of, of research began with my psychedelic experiences. Mm. So um, being in recovery, it's not kind of it's frowned upon, let's say, in certain circles that anybody would take a drug or a, what I would call a traditional medicine to kind of, um, you know, to have an experience of any of any sort. But mm-hmm. it was brought to my attention in about, I think it was about 2015, a friend of mine was investigating ayahuasca. Yeah. And when he first kind of brought the idea to me, I, you know, I was kind of like content prior to investigation. Really, I was. I said, "There's, you know, you can't do that. That's kind of, that would be a relapse in my in my mind." But because I was writing this book, um, addiction prevention, um, started to research all these different types of traditional medicines, and I could see that it was very much about investigating one's consciousness, and and it was all about healing more than anything. So. Um, a few years later, after I'd written those books, I've decided to take the plunge and um, try my own ayahuasca ceremony. So I, I went over to, to Spain and um, the, uh, the um, shaman of the Shipibo tribe from, from the Amazon had flown over to Spain to, to conduct this ceremony. And it was just a life-changing experience. And during the ceremony, I mean, when, when we went into the ceremony, they, uh, they asked us to have uh, three intentions or a minimum of three intentions. So my, inten- my first intention was to find out if my, my partner or my ex-partner and I were supposed to be together because we'd recently split up and, um, and I was unsure whether we should get back together. I didn't know, you know what was the right thing to do. Um, the second thing that I wanted to kind of dis- uh, you know, uncover was kind of like where my, my pain came from you know, where the kind of the trauma would come from. And the third thing was that I wanted to meet God, <laughs> which sounds quite dramatic, but that was, you know, that was what I wished for. And all three of those things, sorry. No, 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 that's, uh, we meet God every day. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, um, 
yeah, I had this experience, and, and all three of those things happened um, during my during my journey. And the the last part of the journey, um, my and everything, my ego, my sense of self, everything just completely disappeared, mm. and I just became pure consciousness. You know, like I was just myself, my 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 inner being, and that the experience was the oneness of the universe was just that I am the universe. The universe is me. And that, you know, the, whatever you want to call it, the energy consciousness of the universe is, is all pervading. And I just had this experience. So when I came back to kind of, you know, reality and inverted commas, that was what I inherently knew. So prior to the experience, I did, I'd read about it. But then after the experience, I knew that that was, that was true, you know, that that was the case. And then ever since then, I've kind of spent, you know, my time. Um, I, suppose, I suppose I'm trying to simplify my life more and more and more, you know, because I, yeah. what I realized during that experience was everything, you know, especially the material world, but every, all the things that I kind of desire, you know, all the things that I think are going to make me happy are the things that are going to lead me further and further away from my actual reality, my real self, my consciousness. And, you know, I, I, Christy, by no, no um, stretch of the imagination, am I suggesting that I'm like a learned scholar or anything like that? I had to, to, I had to understand what I'd kind of experienced and, and to write about it. I had to do a hell of a lot of research. So there was... I was reading, you know, kind of like article and, and magazine after and, and paper after paper. And a lot of it I didn't really understand. You know, I was I was trying to get my head around what these scientists and, and uh, physicists were, were trying to say. And I, a lot of it I kind of, I struggled with it. So I thought the main aim of this book really is to try to simplify that stuff. I understood all the mysticism and the mystical side of it because that's quite easy to explain. But the, the quantum physics and that kind of thing, you know, it's, it's mind-bending. But for me, it's all kind of pointing in the same direction. It is, absolutely. And when I, I love this because we, many of us say the same things about consciousness with a lot of overlap, but um, we each bring something different, bring our own voice to it. And so... Um, just like there's so many versions of one particular dance on TikTok, but we <laughs> gravitate to the one that we resonate with. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll gravitate, gravitate toward the writer, the voice, the message that we need to resonate with, right? Yeah, and that, and that kind of, that really is exactly what I was trying to say in the book. What I was trying to say in the book was my expert, my, my kind of avenue into this, you know, this kind of area of, um, of uh, exploration was uh, the 12 steps. So, you know, it was, I got into recovery, I went through the 12 steps and the, the, the point of the 12 step program is to um, facilitate a spiritual awakening and, and for you to have a spiritual experience, which will then give you faith, which will then allow you to live a sober life. Now that happened for me. So um, I, I had my own spiritual awakening. I had many spiritual experiences, and I then had my psychedelic experiences. But what I realised 
especially when I was working in the prison and then when I started to work in the community with, with other addicts and, and alcoholics, was that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. And what about, what about all the other people as well, all the other people that aren't addicts and aren't alcoholics? You know, like everybody's, everybody's got their own path, their own kind of way of, of finding, but, but they're all pointing in the same direction. So this oneness that we're kind of talking about, you know, that all is one, the title of the book, that is because all is one. But that's the that's the truth. That's the one truth that everybody can, I believe, can agree on. Really, is that everything is interconnected. It absolutely is. You know, and I don't think there's any mystery or um, question about why the twelve steps from the all of the anonymous programs have to do with God. However, we see it. However, we see that consciousness. Um, you know, another question I had for you is that what was your background before any of this? Were you raised in a spiritual way, in a religious way? No, I wasn't actually. I um, So I had one grandmother who was a Protestant Christian and one grandmother who was a Catholic Christian. <laughs> and, and my parents weren't religious at all. And... The only real experience of, of anything religious when I was younger was from those two grandparents. So I was kind of like untarnished in a way. Like I hadn't been, you know, kind of soaked in any particular kind of religious practices or beliefs or anything like that. So I was very open-minded right from a very young age. But I was also a bit of a seeker as well. I was always constantly asking the question of, of like, where where have we come from why are we here like this universe is just like insane you know like what what you know what 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 and it was always like wanting to know and then when i as i got older and especially when i got into obviously drinking and, and using drugs all that kind of fell by the wayside you know i had no interest in anything like that at that time so it was all to do with material things really you know it was kind of partying and DJing and you know spending money and all that kind of stuff and then when I got sober it it just you know like you, we said you said before the podcast um, like something along the lines of like we're, we're all um, I can't remember what you said but it it, it, it kind of it made me it made me think about when I first got sober and the um, it was like a it was like a, a light just switched on like something I was cold, basically. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about, you know, why do the podcast? Why write the book, right? That was it. Sorry, yes, that was yeah. that was. Yeah, you know, you were saying that you were called. Like, it was just, it's just your, you know, your kind of uh, your mission almost. And that was, yeah. that was kind of what happened to me. I woke up the morning after my last drink, and and I just knew that the game was over. You know, I knew that it was it was done, and. Um, I happened to overhear my uh, partner tell her sister that she was going to leave me if I didn't stop drinking, which was kind of like my rock bottom, really. So she, even even to this day, she doesn't know that I heard that conversation. And I walked back into the bedroom and I just got down on my knees and I started praying and I just asked for help. And, um, and when I stood up from that prayer, I just felt something inside me shift, Christy. Like mm. it was, it was kind of like uh, as though, you know, like a, something dislodged almost around my heart kind of area. Yeah. And um, 
was like I went I went to bed that night and had the best night's sleep I've ever had in my life. You know, I, I um, the war was over in my mind because because when you're constantly telling yourself that you're not going to drink and then you drink anyway and you and you black out and it's just like that that horrible cycle over and over again. Not only do you feel insane, you are insane, and you don't have like any faith in yourself whatsoever. And the, the mind is like a washing machine constantly, constantly, constantly going. And that was just gone. So wow. I've never had a drink ever since that, that morning, you know, and um, that prayer that I said. And, and when I, when I um, arrived in the airport the next day, so we were flying to Thailand for a month and then we were going from Thailand to Australia. Wow. And when we arrived in the airport, I went to the bookstore and for some reason, I just picked up a load of like spiritual books. And the, the one that I settled on was um, a book by Hudson Smith called The World's Religions. Mm. And, and I just read the book from cover to cover on the flight from, from the UK to Thailand. And by the time I'd reached the other side, I knew that something had happened. Like I knew that like a miracle had happened. And, and then it was a question of, right, okay, how, how am I going to find out what it is exactly that's going on here? So that's a kind of story in itself. Uh, wow. I wish we had like all the time in the world because I'd love to hear that story as well. That had to be quite a revelation. So yeah, when we have these spiritual awakenings and these revelations, I've noticed even among my clients, it's like things change. Life changes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, Back to our podcast and back to our guest. Right? People fall away. Things that you thought were important, no longer important. Things that you once believed, no longer believed. 
right? How, how did your life shift around this? Well, it was a, it was a, a, you know, a long, slow, gradual process, but basically it shifted from being a complete and utter materialist, self-centered, self-seeking, dishonest, and absolutely fearful person mm. to being somebody who now, you know, now I, I try to do things for other people as much as possible. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I've got a family now. I've got two stepchildren. I've got a, a two-year-old daughter. I've got... I'm about to get married um, in a month. Uh, we were supposed to get married two years. So in the book, it actually says my wife, um, but but she's not my wife yet because the <laughs> the book got published um, after um, we, were, we were supposed to get married. Uh, so the, the wedding got put back twice. So yeah, so I'm getting married in a month. I've got a really responsible job. Um, I've got a great relationship with my family and friends. And above all, I've got peace of mind. So there's been a complete and utter revolution in my, not only my thinking, but, but my outlook on life. And if I'm totally honest with you, Christy, like this, this, this publishing of my book came at a very strange time, really, because as I've already mentioned, I decided to wind down the podcast. And I was very much a person who was kind of like, I was all over social media. I was constantly like promoting myself and promoting my books and promoting the podcast. I just came to a place where I kind of, I was like, this doesn't serve me anymore. Like I just need to simplify my life and I just want to concentrate on my family and I just want to concentrate on, well, I actually, I'd also just started a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well, which I love, which is a fantastic thing. Oh, is that capoeira? Say again. Yeah. Capoeira. Yeah. So I've never heard of that. Oh, it may be the same thing. It's like a martial art. It's almost like dancing. No, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is like, um, it's almost like a wrestling type of, of martial art. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that came into my life randomly. But now it's kind of like, I, I just, the simplicity of my life is like jiu-jitsu, work, my family and my recovery. And that's it really. And I'm not, I'm no longer kind of like, I think when I was younger, I was always, I always wanted to be famous, if I'm honest. Like, I wanted to, the reason why I started DJing was because I loved music, but then it became that I just wanted to make a name for myself. And that kind of was fueled by the drink and the drugs. And then when I was, in, even when I was in recovery, I was writing the books, I kind of, I think I still, there was still something in my subconscious that, that was like, I needed approval. Yeah. And um, I just don't have that anymore. Like, fortunately for me, the, the light bulb has kind of like gone off that I don't need the approval of anybody to make me feel happy, which has been really important for me. So I'm kind of like, the position that I'm in now is like this book's been released and I really do hope that it does well. I could I genuinely, not, not for myself, for the publishers more than anything, but, but for but I'm not kind of seeking any personal fame or reward from it, if that makes sense, does it? Oh, yes, totally. It makes sense. Just getting the message out and raising consciousness. I mean, that's what it's all about, it seems. Yeah, in fact, what did you want to do in this book that you had not in your other books? I want, really, I've always wanted people to see my... my genuine belief is that science 
will one day prove what spirituality has been saying for thousands of years, which is that all is one, everything is interconnected. There is this spirit that is, you know, whatever we want to call it, the consciousness of the universe. Everybody's got different names for it, but everybody talks about the same thing. That science will essentially confirm that. And that is what I was driving at in the book. I was I was presenting as many as many scientific arguments that hold weight to prove well not prove because it's not it's not proven yet but to suggest that what all the mystics have been saying for thousands of years is exactly that beautiful absolutely beautiful we talked about how you know when we have this awakening Everything changes, everything shifts, things just cannot stay the same. And, you know, you've got this new name that you're writing under. Why did you choose to do that and how do you resonate with that? Initially, it was because I was in recovery and one of the things about being in an anonymous fellowship is that um, they prefer you to remain anonymous. So, um you know, at the level of press, radio, and films, it's something that most people adhere to. And whilst I was doing the podcast, so I decided to use a pseudonym, and the pseudonym Ren um, means uh, love in Japanese, and um, mm-hmm. is also the symbol of the lotus, and Koi is uh, the symbol of courage, yeah. and Ren also means clean as well in Swedish. So I, I had, I've got a lot of tattoos, so I had these a Ren tattoo and I had a Koi tattoo on my arm. So I just that put the two things together. I thought it sounded like a good name. So that was where the name came from. And and that then enabled me to do things under this anonymous name. So I wrote the books under the under Ren Koi and I also started the podcast under Ren Koi. But then I met a few people throughout the podcast who were just doing everything under their own name. And they just kind of said to me, look, you know, we were living a different time now and um, anonymity, the reason why anonymity was so important back in you know the 1930s was because everybody knew everybody in these close communities yeah. and if you were you know, deemed to be an alcoholic it might not look so favourably and also people on the national stage, if such and such a person who was famous uh, declared that they were in recovery and then got drunk that might look on bad on the on the fellowship. So I took all that on board and I actually decided to go with my, my real name. And I did that for a while. But this book had already been written under Ren Coy. So I can't I was umming and ahhing over whether to whether to whether to just go under under my real name. And then I thought, well, if this does if I am kind of winding things down and this book does do well, then it, it won't be I won't be bringing um, my fellowships into any kind of limelight do you know what I mean if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that, that gets a little tricky you know changing names and changing uh, personas like changing branding it's um, <laughs> you know it's a process and everything and your other books too um, the other books that you've got are about recovery at least two of them um, are about this um, recovery, the addiction prevention, 12, 12 steps to spiritual awakening. I love that title. That's so 
like on brand with what you're doing. An anonymous God, coincidence, serendipity, synchronicity, spiritual spiritual signposts, and psychedelics too. Those seem to both be kind of aligned with recovery. Um, and then you also wrote together an ayahuasca experience, and then yeah. spiritual malady. Um, yeah, what's the spiritual malady about? So, that? so in recovery, the the um, the underlying problem that leads to the addiction is what they call the spiritual malady. Mm. So in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about the spiritual malady and it explains what the spiritual malady is in, in great detail. When you kind of drill down on that, what the spiritual malady is really is emotional problems. So the whole premise of all my books has been that um, addiction um, is the is like a three it's a threefold problem really. So you begin with the emotional issues or the spiritual malady. That then becomes mental health issues, and the mental health issues we try to medicate with the substance or behaviour, and that in itself is what addiction is. Um, when you think about the spiritual malady being these emotional issues, what the the problem really is a lack of emotional intelligence. Mm. because it's an inability to manage one's emotions that leads to the mental health issues in the first place. Yeah. And that is the, the key point of most of my writings. Now, I can say that not only from a person who's observed this in you know for, for over 11 years in other people, but in myself as well, I know that to be the case. So um, I've always gone down this kind of route of, of trying to explain that one of the ways to become more emotionally intelligent and to be able to manage one's emotions is to walk a spiritual path, whatever that may be for the, for the individual. And that's where the, the kind of the experimentation with psychedelics came in as well was because I wanted to understand whether those could also be used as modes of recovery as well. And in my opinion, they definitely can. I mean, they're not for everybody, but um, I certainly believe that the experiences that people can have you know, with ayahuasca or peyote or, you know, psilocybin. Yeah, yeah, DMT, the, the, the very, very valid experiences. And it comes back to that thing that you said earlier about the change. You know, it's like once the change happens, you can never unsee what you've, what you've seen. It's like Great. when a person goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, it messes up their drinking because even if they don't stay in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous for the for the uh, the drug user, once they've heard and they've seen that people get sober and, and that there's something that they can do about the drinking, once they go back out drinking, the drinking will never be the same again. And it's very similar to once you've had a spiritual experience, once you've seen seen something that you didn't know was real before, it changes your perception and it changes the way that you see things and. Um, the key for me is like you know we, we call it the spiritual experience well I can't explain to you Kristen what my spiritual experience was and you can't explain to me what yours are we have to have the experience itself yeah and that is what facilitates the change wow interesting I've had a few other guests on this show talk about that I'm thinking of Jerry Hyde um, who wrote Empathy for the Devil, also from O Books. 
and then uh, Jonathan D. Potter, who actually leads retreats that are plant medicine based. Um, never tried it myself, and I know that a lot of people have very profound experiences. Do you, how do you how do you think that we can best prepare? And my this is like totally off subject. And apologize, I, I apologize for that. Totally off subject, but. Um, what do you think is it that made you have more of a positive experience with it than a negative or terrifying experience? I think it's just down to where you're at at the time when you do, when you have the, the, the medicine, you know, like, um, you've, you know, when I had my experience, I was, um, uh, about, seven or eight years sober i'd done loads of counseling i was fit and healthy um you know i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a rounded person now you know like i don't have yeah. lots of issues i don't have any i didn't have any anxiety maybe a little bit of depression still but you know like i was in a really really good place apart from the fact that my partner and i had split up and i was living on my own again and i didn't know what what to do with my life yeah. um so I think that somebody, uh, funnily enough, there was a guy after my experience, because I was on social media at the time, I was kind of writing, raving about my experience on social media. And this guy contacted me and he said, um, I've, I've, I've read your reviews and he said, and I'm, I'm thinking about going and having this ayahuasca experience myself. And I said, cool. I said, you know, I said, like, I can't recommend it enough. It was amazing. Da, 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 da. Anyway, he went a few weeks later and he had the worst experience of his life. He, um, he, was, he was supposed to do three ceremonies. He only did one ceremony because it was that bad, the experience, that he actually left like the, the retreat and Ooh. flew home. Even his wife even rang me to tell me that he was in a really, really bad place. Ooh. It triggered major depression. Now, the thing is that what I, did, I didn't know any of his back history. Right. I, didn't know, I didn't know any of his back history, but when he went over there, the the, the and they had the retreat. The the guys knew his back history. And they knew that his first experience was going to be terrible because mm-hmm. he had lo- he had loads of trauma, and he'd never dealt with any of it. And they knew that it was going to be really bad. And they knew that the second experience would kind of bring him back together, and the third experience would be more of a euphoric experience. So they were they were well prepared. Yeah. They told him exactly what it was going to be like. But he couldn't handle it. It was so it was so bad. So, in answer to your question, the people that have a bad trip, so to speak, or the people that find it really really tough, are those probably that have never faced it, that have never even looked at the trauma. Um, and when it comes, it's 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 heavy. You know, I mean, I, my trauma isn't that bad really in comparison to many people. But when my trauma came up, I mean, I was sobbing. You know, I was crying my eyes out. I was, I was. You know, the guy sat next to me, who's now a good friend of mine, Luke, he was kind of like, had his arm on my knee and he was kind of like, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just dealing with it. You know, I'm dealing with my stuff. There was people in the room that were screaming and crying and, you know, there's vomiting. There's, you know, it's 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 everything. And, and it's about kind of getting it all out, you know. We've all got stuff, haven't we? I'm sure you've got stuff. I've got stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so you got to, it's about where you're at in life, I think. Sure. Well, that makes complete sense. Um, 
Yeah, so the book it really delves into this in more detail, enlightenment, meditation, um, you know, what you mean by science of, and the religious, the spiritual aspect of it as well, all of it you break down very well. Uh, do you have any other books that you're thinking of or working on? I think the next book that I would write will be, you know, maybe in a few years' time. It would, because the, the, I did an interview recently, um, last week, and, and he asked me the same question, actually, and I said, uh, I said no, I'm not really thinking about writing another book. And then when I, when I, I left the interview, it, it then started me thinking about if I was to write another book, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And I think it would be, it would be about um, the experience of, of being a father, you know, like how how this experience is changing me and and my experience of like simplifying everything because the you know all i want all i want to have is to just have peace of mind because i think that all our happiness and joy rises from that peace um so every every decision that i make now is all to do with is this going to bring me peace and happiness in, in the future and I think that there's a book in there, maybe some somewhere somehow. Right. Well, you know, you you raised a, an important question that I would love to ask you: is how do you think fatherhood has changed you, Ron? Well, I mean, I I completely understand unconditional love now. That's something that you know, you. I mean, I never appreciated how much my parents must love me until my daughter was born. That was kind of one big thing. Um, I, um, as I said earlier, my kind of like selfish desires, like anything that was really important to me that I thought, you know, I need to do this because because this will bring me some sort of happiness. That's just kind of gone by the wayside now because really my, my main kind of uh, function in life is to ensure that Alice is happy. So, you know, that's kind of it really. Um, and it's making me more of a, I mean, patience and tolerance is something that I've, I've worked on a lot since I got sober, but it's making, it's, my patience levels and my tolerance levels are increasing day by day. And I don't just mean that with my daughter, I mean with everybody, with the people around me and, and I'm becoming more, I'm very much like, uh, I'm a type of person who, I won't, you know, like if I if I met a stranger in the street, for example, I'll be friendly, I'll have a quick chat, and then I'll be on my way. Yeah. Whereas now I'm kind of much more interested in people. I like I, I like I can quite happily just sit and have a conversation. I meet people in the park all the time now because I take my daughter to the park. So you know, I meet other parents and we'll get talking and stuff. And normally, I kind of like would want to just get out of there, <laughs> you know. But now. I just, I just have a, I have a conversation, and it's amazing. You know, the conversations that you have with random people are, are amazing. I just tell you a quick story on that one, actually. Yeah. I met a woman, so I walked my dog over the local common, and uh, I, I met a woman a, a few years ago who was just walking a dog, and we got talking. And um, I used to see her, you know, like once every few weeks or whatever. And it turned out that her husband was an alcoholic who died from alcoholism 
Oh. And uh, her son was suffering with some 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 issues around that kind of stuff. So I was able to talk to her, and, and you know, like she, she appreciated my perception on things, and and then the pandemic hit and stuff. And anyway, the long story short is that we're we're really quite good friends now. And and when we get married um, next month, she's going to be dog sitting my dog, and oh. and I'm gonna I I'm gonna like help her son a little bit because he kind of wants to get into this kind of the counselling kind of field. And um, she recently lost her sister, and I've, we've been able to be there for her. You know, we, we bought her some flowers. I gave her a copy of the book. She's read all his one, and she's like, she literally just read all his one over the last couple of weeks, and it's really helped her. It's like she's, she said, um, she said, your book. She said it's just made me realise how important it is to be present and to just stay in the moment. She said because like all the stuff that's happened in the past just doesn't matter. The future isn't here yet, so I just need to keep remaining present. And I was like, wow, you know, like I learned that from Eckhart Tolle years and years ago, you know, in The Power of Now. And it's kind of just one of those little things that I just think, you know, it's amazing. You just need to spend that time speaking to people and to bring it right back to the oneness thing and the all is one thing. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking to somebody now, I try to remember that the person that I'm talking to is me. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, this is this is spirit talking to spirit, yeah. consciousness talking to consciousness. This is yeah. you know, like me and you having this conversation now, you're just an expression of the divine and I'm an expression of the divine and we're having the divine is having a conversation. And that is something that when you can keep when you can get that, just like in the moment you can remember that, it, it takes away all your fear, it takes away all your barriers, you know, it makes it allows you to be more vulnerable. And, you know, you see the beauty in the other person, you know, the individual. And and I think that that is something that I'm trying to kind of evolve in myself. I love that. Well, just even that concept of every time you're talking with another person, you're talking to yourself. That alone, I think, can change lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's beautiful. Wow. So, of course, the book is All is One, The Science and Spirituality of Consciousness. Wow, wow, wow. And your other books sound amazing, too, I have to say. Um, do you have a place where they're all available? Yeah, they're all available on Amazon, on Kindle, on Barnes & Noble, and on Obooks. So that is www.o-books.com. Right. My website no longer exists. I'm afraid. I I had uh, my my uh, my life in recovery website. I've uh, I've let it go. Like I said before, I've I've let everything go. So the books are all available um, at the usual places. Right, right. Wherever fine books are sold, as they say. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I would love to see pictures of Alice. She sounds awesome. <laughs> Of course, being a mom, I always love to see people's people's kids. Um, but Ren, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. It's been really enlightening and lovely, and I, I appreciate the time that you spent in that. Thank you too. I really appreciate it, Christy. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. 
to learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.